The shooting of David Katz at a game tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, USA made the gaming community and the whole U.S. shocked and painful. The rage has reached its peak when the killer is a famous gamer in the community. The moment David Katz opened fire in the middle of the game room was recorded on the live stream video, with at least 12 hours of firing. A few seconds earlier, a red laser dot appeared on a gamer's chest, seemingly when David Katz was aiming. David Katz is described as an unstable psychopath with psychological problems and a history of depression. He had been treated at a psychiatric center and had a history of using sedatives. However, Katz can still buy guns and ammo easily. So what is the motivation for Katz's dehumanizing action? Is it just because of a loss in the first round of the tournament, or is it a detailed plan? Or was it the pent-up for a long time, and the tournament was his chance to free himself? Join us as we explore the shocking case of David Katz. Our focus for the day is going to be on the state of Maryland, and more particularly, the state of Baltimore. It's hard to believe, but the city of Baltimore consisted of only 27 houses, a church, and two taverns in the year 1752. However, if we fast forward around 270 years, we will find that it currently has a population of approximately 600,000 people. Formerly a mainly industrial town with an economic base focused on steel processing, shipping, and auto manufacturing, the city today rallies on a low-wage service industry, which accounts for 31% of jobs in the city. Once a predominantly industrial town with an economic base focused on steel processing, shipping, and auto manufacturing. These days, tourism, shipping, and freight are key participants in Baltimore's economy, and the city's shipping ports handle around $53 billion worth of cargo every year. As for tourism, visitors are drawn to Baltimore because of the city's long and illustrious past, which makes it a famous tourist destination. With more than 25 million guests coming through its doors each year. On the other hand, Baltimore also has a number of troubling aspects. You may have heard of it because of Leakin Park, which is notorious for being a location where remains are frequently discovered. In fact, 79 dead bodies have been discovered on the premises of the institution since 1946. The majority of these were the results of isolated murders. However, several of the bodies were those of Reginald Oates, the serial murderer who carried out the attack. Now, Leakin Park is also located adjacent to some of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Baltimore, which most likely has a significant impact on the total number of killings in the surrounding area. However, our tale does not start or conclude in a place of destitution. In fact, it is quite the opposite throughout its entirety. We find the Katz family located many miles away from the chilly and dangerous streets that surround Leakin Park. The Katz family is made up of the mother, Elizabeth, the father, Richard, and their two boys, Brandon and David. Their first child, a son named Brandon, was born in March of 1990, 
And almost four years later, their second child, a son named David, joined the family. David entered this world on December 22, 1993, as a member of a prosperous and well-educated family. He was given the name David. His mother, Elizabeth, worked as a toxicologist for the FDA, which is also known as the United States Food and Drug Administration. His father, Richard, worked for NASA as an engineer. Also, just so you're aware, this truth will become highly important to our narrative in the future. In spite of the fact that they got off to a good start, Brandon and David's childhoods were, to say the least, difficult. In 2006, when David was just 12 years old, David's parents made the decision to get a divorce. David is now 14 years old. Both he and his brother Brandon were understandably shaken up as a result of this, and from that point forward, the two of them divided their time between their two parents. The brothers both went to Hammond High School in Columbia, which is located southwest of Baltimore. While David's peers at Hammond High School in Columbia knew him as an introverted and occasionally antisocial youngster, he kept to himself, was quiet, and was deeply into video games. As time went on, David spent the majority of his time in this room playing competitive sports video games, specifically Madden NFL. The Madden series is a video game franchise developed by EA Sports that is based on the National Football League and features the sport of American football. Due to the nature of the game being Madden, a brand new version of the game is released each year. David received his diploma from Hammond High School in 2011, and here we are in 2014, three years later. He decided to pursue a degree in environmental science and technology at the University of Maryland, where he enrolled. But David wasn't necessarily interested in education or a job so he'd have deeper into the world of the internet and spent all of his time playing video games instead of pursuing those two paths. Because of the effort he put in consistently, he eventually got very skilled at playing Madden. And by June of 2016, he had begun to compete against other players in professional, competitive video games under the gaming names Bread, Slice Bread, or Raven Champ. He participated in the Buffalo Bills Madden 17 Series Championship and ultimately emerged victorious. David was first considered underdog and was given the seventh seed in the competition. However, he began to turn heads when he completely destroyed his opponents in the game, and he attracted even more attention with his confident comments. You made the trip all the way from Maryland to come here today and now you're going to have a shot at making it into the semifinals. You have to have a positive attitude toward it overall. You started out as the seventh seed, but you just defeated the second seed in a rather convincing manner. Congratulations. Actually, I don't consider myself to be a seventh seed at all. Personally, I believe that I am one of the better players, and I prefer to let my performance demonstrate that to others. Dave, please accept my congratulations. 
You'll have to wait till the next round to see us again. And gentlemen, Larry and Zach, we are going to return to the upper floor to talk to you guys. It appeared that David would have a fortunate weekend. He went on to win the Buffalo Bills Madden Championship, which was worth a cool $10,000 to him as a result of his victory. He belongs to Dexterity. Brandon Cook. He is quick enough for the job. Is he adequately supplied? The final play of the game belongs to Jew. Oh, my heavenly being. Touchdown. The young man is originally from Columbia, Maryland. It came down to the very last play of the game, and he was successful. A touchdown has been scored. Out. One that is quite long. Proceed there. I am speechless. And that, my friends, is the name of the game. Using the funds that are going to be given to you. In addition to that, we have another surprise in store for you as part of the club series. Your Madden jersey. So there you have it. Way to go. The winner of this particular competition was Brett. The number seven seed defeated the number one seed to advance to the championship round. I want to extend my congratulations to Larry Zach. That's up to you. What an eventful day it was in Buffalo. And despite the fact that he would not go on to win the following one, David Katz went on to represent the Buffalo Bills in the Madden 17 Club Series Championship in April of 2017. This is a pretty significant task for a gamer, regardless of how you choose to look at it. David Katz was in the midst of one of the most thrilling times of his life. And despite the fact that he had to return to his studies, he was having great success in his hobbies, earning a lot of money, and building a solid reputation for himself. At this point in time, the idea of making a living off of video games is the ultimate goal of every gamer. But in spite of his growing reputation, David's life was complicated in many ways, and the roots of many of these difficulties could be traced back to when he was a little child. According to the data kept by the police, David's family home was the location of 26 separate 911 calls over the first 16 years of his life which spanned from 1993 to 2009. No one can say for certain why these calls were made, but the vast majority of them can be filed under the headings of mental illness and marital problems. And a significant number of these calls took place when David was still a little child. Because David's mental health was in such poor shape, this is perhaps the most appropriate time to bring it up, as it is now. Beginning when he was nine years old, David was known to have a wide variety of problems related to his mental health. David had already been to a number of different psychiatrists by the time he was 12 years old, and he had been given prescriptions for a number of different mental medications, including antipsychotics and antidepressants. The fact that David's parents were continuously arguing about what was best for their children was one of the numerous factors that contributed to their decision to get a divorce. Richard asserted that Elizabeth, a toxicologist working for the FDA, 
was fixated on the idea of employing the services of mental health specialists and taking psychiatric medication to carry out responsibilities that should naturally fall to parents. And regardless of whether or not Richard's claims about his dreams were accurate, there is no disputing the fact that David was put on powerful medication at an exceptionally young age, and his mental health appeared to be in very poor shape during his teenage years. David was given a prescription for Abelify, an antipsychotic medication that is predominantly utilized in the treatment of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, despite the reservations expressed by his father. Prozac an antidepressant that falls under the category of SSRIs, was also prescribed to him. In addition to this, there are unconfirmed claims that he was prescribed another antidepressant named Lexapro. This comes as a further addition to the previous point. Elizabeth reportedly took David to see a slew of therapists, psychiatrists, and social workers after David was said to have experienced a psychiatric emergency. In one incident, David was forced to be placed in handcuffs by the authorities after he locked himself in his mother's car in an attempt to avoid accompanying his mother to a mental health visit. David's narrative grows worse and worse. David was sent to Shepherd Pratt Psychiatric Hospital in 2007 when he was just 14 years old. While he was there, he was given a larger dosage of antidepressants to treat his depression. This was only one of four known care facilities that David visited around the same time, and since then, one of those facilities has recently been investigated for sexual abuse of their adolescent patients. David attended one of these facilities around the same time. David's parents had already divorced by this point and he was currently dividing his time between his mother's and his father's residences. He claimed that he did have a preferred parent, but it was obvious that he detested the opportunity to spend any time with his mother. On two separate occasions, she placed all of his belongings in a suitcase and instructed him to leave the house. One of those instances occurred on the holiday that is traditionally celebrated in honor of mothers. In 2007, David was also enrolled in a wilderness therapy program for troublesome youths for a period of several months. It was alleged that David's mother had enrolled him in the facility without first obtaining approval from the court. David's enrollment in the program constituted a violation of the terms of his probation. David sent a letter to the court overseeing the ongoing custody struggle between his own parents on December 22, 2009. In this letter, he told the judge, Dear Judge, today is my birthday, and I will be turning 16 years old. I currently live with my mother, but I have been considering moving in with my father. My mother is a bit off her rocker. She called the cops on me almost 20 times for essentially nothing, such as getting home a little bit late or something like that. In addition to this, when she's been drinking, she becomes belligerent with me, pokes me, and won't leave me alone. She has beaten me in the past, and she routinely steals my belongings just because she feels like it. She has put me to psychiatric hospitals three times 
and once she sent me to a wilderness therapy camp. None of these placements made any sense. I will never be able to talk to her since I despise her more than anything else in the world, and she would most likely become angry if we exchange words. She also tells a lot of lies. After David reached his adult years, the number of times that he sought medical attention decreased in a very significant way. Concerning signals still lingered throughout David's day-to-day -day schedule, such as the fact that he would spend days without taking a shower. We do not know whether or not this was because he was in charge of his own life. Nevertheless, we do not know for sure. He frequently stayed up till 4 o'clock in the morning playing video games like Madden. On evenings when he had school, he would frequently stroll in a loop around the home. In addition to this, David was also given a diagnosis of dysphemia, which is a condition that is characterized by persistent depressive symptoms. To put this in perspective for you, it's essentially the same as major depressive illness except the symptoms tend to continue for longer. In addition to this, he was also given a diagnosis of oppositional defined disorder in combination with this. A pattern of furious and irritated feelings, along with contentious and determined behavior, is what's meant when we say that someone is odd. Peers, instructors, other adults in positions of power, and in this particular instance, the child's own parents are the targets of this behavior. As time went on, David isolated himself from the rest of the world that actually existed. Because he spent practically all of his time online, he had almost no real-life acquaintances, and his academic performance began to suffer as a result. By the time he started taking part in Madden competitions, he already had his own condo in Baltimore and was living there by himself. And despite the fact that he was officially enrolled in the institution, he didn't really sign up for any classes throughout that academic year. David had the reputation of being a strong professional Madden player, but many of the other players saw him as socially awkward, odd, and rude. He had earned this reputation. It is clear from watching many of his clips that he never looks at the other players on the field and would frequently refuse to shake hands after a victory or defeat, regardless of the outcome. Our guy Brad is not going to show you a lot of emotion, so prepare yourself. This guy can be considered a man. David Katz keeps to himself. He is a successful entrepreneur. He is not interested in the experience or in going out to this, that, or the third, and he is not interested in making new acquaintances. He is really focused on his work. He has a clear mind. And just to get him to talk to you about anything at all, it's like dude. It's like pulling tea. In spite of the fact that some individuals were aware of David's aggressive behavioral issues, Nobody was overly concerned about being in his company because he was such an awkward individual. But all of that would change in the month of August in 2018. In addition, the lives of scores of individuals, including those who were killed, would be altered irrevocably as a result of his actions. August 26, 2018
It was 11.30 in the evening. It was the Sunday of another relaxing weekend in Florida, and everyone was taking it easy. Some people chose to stay inside their homes with the air conditioning on while others took their families out to the malls to seek relief from the oppressive heat and humidity. And approximately 150 of those in the city of Jacksonville were spending their weekend at the Good Luck Have Fun Gaming Bar located in the indoor marketplace of the Jacksonville Landing. This location was playing host to a Madden NFL 19 competition and among those invited were a significant number of players who were exceptionally skilled at the game. Brett, also known as David Katz, was a part of this, as it should come as no surprise. The event had begun on Saturday and was planned to come to a close on Sunday evening. It was supposed to take place throughout the course of the entire weekend. On Saturday, David breezed through many victories with ease but now it was time to focus on Sunday's competition. The competitions became significantly more difficult and serious as they progressed. Now, regrettably, luck was not on his side today, as it was getting close to one o'clock in the afternoon. Elijah Clayton, David Katz's opponent, was successful in eliminating David Katz from the competition. After being knocked out, David was incensed and refused to make peace with Elijah by shaking his hand. And the reason for this is not simply that he was vanquished by him, but because David and Elijah had a tumultuous and drawn-out relationship in the past. Now, Elijah would often make fun of David for being socially uncomfortable, and he appeared to purposefully put David's career in jeopardy whenever it was possible to do so. In point of fact, David had just recently produced a book to educate others how to grow better at Madden, and after the book was released, Elijah uploaded it online so that anyone could read it without having to purchase it. Elijah and David placed an order for a taxi to take them to the airport after a recent competition. When the taxi arrived, however, Elijah slammed the door in David's face and then left without taking him with him. And now, after all of this bad blood, David has been eliminated from the competition by the man he detested, and the repercussions would be both absurd and severe if they were to take place. There are a number of enjoyable games now taking place. They are going to be difficult to integrate into the system. The struggle is not too great today. After being ejected from the good luck have fun bar in a rage, David went in the direction of Chicago Pizza. While he was there, he removed his sunglasses and set them down on the table next to him before digging inside the rucksack that contained his Baltimore Ravens gear. After charging back inside the pub, he quickly resumed his place among the other players, grabbed a ball, and began to play. He removed a revolver with a 45 caliber barrel from his backpack and then threw the bag on the ground. The competition was still going strong, and a number of participants were currently in the middle of their matches. In addition to this, the entire event was being live-streamed on Twitch as well as a number of other online services. It just so happened that the live-stream camera was focused on Elijah Clayton at this particular moment, 
just a few seconds before he was shot by David, who had his rifle pointed in his direction. It is possible to make see David's gun's laser sight moving across his chest in this picture. And right at the moment when the camera is panning back to the game, David pulls the trigger. Elijah was shot three times, once in the chest, once in the forehead, and once in the right eye, which caused him to pass away instantly in his chair. After that, David shifted his attention to 12 additional victims, one of whom was Taylor Robertson, who was 27 years old. As Taylor was fleeing the scene, he was shot from behind. Sadly, he perished as a result of the process. And only 20 seconds after firing his first shot, David turned the gun he had just fired on himself. Before that, 10 more people had been shot. David ended his life by taking his own life, and an 11th victim injured himself while trying to escape. The entire incident was broadcast live online and filmed on camera. It would appear that David's motivation was driven by wrath in this situation. After being defeated by Elijah, he was finally unable to take the tension any longer. He had been annoyed by Elijah for a long time. When you consider other concerns, such as the unusual behavior, this theory seems more plausible. Nonetheless, it does not explain why he bought two firearms so close in time to the tournament, nor why he carried them with him. Therefore, it's possible that this whole thing was planned out beforehand. At 1.34 p.m., reports of gunfire immediately began to circulate on social media. And just two minutes later, emergency personnel arrived to the bar, where they discovered a scene of the crime that was filled with horror. When victims ran up to them for assistance, the firefighters' union had been conducting training in the vicinity at the time. They were able to assist in securing the situation very quickly with the assistance of officers, and owing to the location of the pub, the Coast Guard was also called in to search the surrounding waterways for anyone else who could have been there. Around 14 minutes after the incident, the authorities were able to storm the main room of the Good Luck Have Fun pub, and there they discovered the bodies of David, Elijah, and Taylor at the scene of the crime. It's a miracle that 10 of David's 12 victims made it through the assault alive, but the body count could easily have been considerably higher. Even nonetheless, the process had resulted in the loss of two innocent lives. And now, not just one but two families, along with an untold number of friends and supporters, will have to mourn their passing. Taylor Robertson who was born on November 26, 1990, is better known by the stage name Spot Me, please. He was a professional football player who played for the NFL and he was from Ballard, West Virginia. Taylor graduated from James Monroe High School in 2009, where she excelled in her athletic pursuits to the point that she was named Athlete of the Year in her senior year. In addition to that, he worked for First Community Bank as both an accountant and a credit analyst. On June 19, 1996, Elijah Clayton, better known by his stage name True Boy, was born. 
He, too, was a player in the professional ranks and hailed from Woodlands Hill in the state of California. In his early years, he was a member of the football squad at Calabasas High School, where he had attended school. Unfortunately, he didn't decide to go to the event until the very last minute. As of the previous day, he did not have any intentions to go, which brings the topic of current technology into the conversation. Nevertheless, the 3D modeling that was done by the Jacksonville Police Department was an area of the investigation that I thought was really interesting. This film was produced by stitching together thousands of still photographs in order to build an accurate representation of a digital model of the crime scene. You are able to view the location where David committed suicide once you have entered the building and completed your tour of the pizza business. The previous shooting of Elijah had occurred in the direction to the left and further down the hallway. Sadly, this model shows how disorganized the scene was after David Katz passed away and it became evident that there would be no further court actions or trials for the individual. However, a number of legal actions were taken as a result of his harmful path. Because nobody knew about David's mental health concerns until it was too late. The aftermath of this story is sadly very complicated and unclear. This is because nobody knew about David's issues until after it was all over. And after that, there were a plethora of inquiries. It turned out that David, despite all of the previous issues he had with his mental health, had legally acquired a couple of handguns from a shop in Maryland just two weeks prior to the massacre. And that was just the tip of the iceberg, because what came next was the disclosure of his extensive and convoluted past with antipsychotics, antidepressants, and his mother's summary of what we talked about earlier in the conversation. But David had been diagnosed with semia and oppositional disorder, was previously on a wide range of antidepressants and antipsychotics, witnessed a traumatic divorce between his parents, had a very problematic relationship with his mother, and had attended more than several mental health institutions. In addition, David had been on a wide range of antidepressants and antipsychotics. The fact that David was still a young man when he started using antipsychotics and other medications is, without a doubt, one of the most troubling aspects of the situation. He was just 13 years old at the time, which meant that both his mental and physical capacities had a long way to go before they were fully developed. The use of antidepressants in children and young people under the age of 18 is not often suggested, and there are dozens of studies that even show harmful effects on patients between the ages of 18 and 24 years old. David was 5 and 11 years younger than when these recommendations were made, respectively, and it is imperative that the bias in his life be addressed as well. The mother of David was a toxicologist who worked for the United States Food and Drug Administration, and in addition to this, she was a staunch supporter of the therapeutic value of antidepressants, antipsychotics, and other such medications. Having this opinion isn't always going to get you in trouble, 
but it's arguable that her strong predisposition is what caused her to pressure her kid to take medicines when he didn't really have requirement for them. In light of the fact that David's father was adamantly opposed to the consumption of drugs and even stated that therapy would have been a far more risk-free option, several other warning signs immediately spring to mind as well. We must not forget that Elizabeth signed up her son for medical care without first obtaining the consent of the court. This is something that must not be forgotten. In addition to this, she refused to allow David's father to pay a visit to his son. In addition to this, David had written a letter to the judge that was essentially a plea for assistance. David was under the impression that his mother was a violent person, a liar, and that she frequently and needlessly called the police on him. And even while there is a possibility that David's letter contains some hyperbole, there is very certainly some element of truth to it. Now, in all honesty, I wish I could stop there, but I think the following section of this story astonished me the most. I wish I could stop there. Because of the increased likelihood of having suicidal thoughts while taking SSRI antidepressants, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, Elizabeth's place of employment, issued a black box warning for those under the age of 18 in October of 2004. After just another year and a half, when David was 13 years old, he was given a prescription for Lexapro, an antidepressant that was included in the black box warning issued by the FDA. All of this information is available to the general public through the records of the Katz Family Court, and it would indicate that Elizabeth was aware of exactly what medication David was supposed to take. To tell you the truth, everything about this circumstance seems terrible. Now, there is no justification for David's acts, and nobody knew what he was capable of doing in Jacksonville. No one knew what David was capable of doing in Jacksonville. However, improving one's understanding of mental health is certainly one of the smartest areas to focus on inside the legal system. There is a possibility that David's actions in August of 2018 were significantly impacted by the interference that he experienced throughout his youth. After the shooting at Jacksonville Landing, more than 50 legal actions were taken to determine who was too responsible for the victim's deaths, injuries, and other traumas. The 10 people who were shot and injured all reported a combination of physical and mental trauma, and many of them questioned why and how such a catastrophe was allowed to occur in the first place. Electronic Arts, the firms that operated Jacksonville Landing and provided security, the proprietors of Chicago Pizza and Good Luck Have Fun Bar, and even the operator of the website where players needed to register in order to participate have all been brought before nine different circuit court judges to face legal action. Personal injury attorneys have contended that the security methods that are utilized at other events, such as concerts and football matches, require attendees to pass through metal detectors which would have been sufficient to prevent David from performing his horrible acts. David was carrying two firearms at the time of the incident, one of which was in his waistline, 
and the other was in his rucksack, as evidenced by the images taken at the site. Why David was able to obtain two firearms with such a background is another thing that has been called into question. Regardless of how one interprets what happened or who is to blame, the outcome remains the same. The shooting resulted in two fatalities and numerous injuries. Elijah Clayton and Taylor Robertson lost their lives due to David's complex and long-standing mental health issues. It is tragic that such talented individuals, who had so much going on in their lives beyond gaming, were taken away from their loved ones so suddenly and unexpectedly. Their deaths were captured on live stream, adding to the shock and horror of the incident. My heart goes out to their friends and family, and I hope they are able to find peace in the wake of this tragedy. I would like to thank you for taking the time to read our discussion today. If you would like to see more examples, please let us know. Before we part ways, I invite you to share your thoughts on this matter in the comments section below. If you found this content helpful, please consider liking and subscribing to our channel. Until we meet again, please take care of yourselves and look out for each other. Thank you and best of luck.